What a beautiful time together. And um, thank you for being here today and closing out this this year together where we started. And of course, as the boys said today, don't miss next Sunday. Because you know what, what you know what next Sunday means when you show up next Sunday, first of 2024, it means you will have not missed one Sunday the entire year of 2024 <laughs> if you show up the first Sunday of the year. But the changing of a calendar will not bring change in our lives. Remember this. Let's go into the new year. Remembering this, you cannot have a new reality with an old mentality. Amen. You cannot have a new reality with an old mentality. So we need to shift our mindsets. And even when it's the last day of the year, it's not too late. Even when it's the last day of one's life, it's not too late. Whether you're 30 or 40 or 80 or 90, it's not too late. I saw one of our longest tenured member, one of our longest tenured member of our church. I saw her in the back yesterday, last Sunday, or whether it was Christmas Day. She said, I'm 90, I'm 90 years old. She's been in our church for almost the entire time, three decades, probably the whole time. And she said, I'm 90 and I'm single. <laughs> A handsome young man heard her say that and, and he said to her, so am I. <laughs> I don't know what happened after that, but I'm just saying. I witnessed that. I want you to say this. I am right on time. I was born right on time. I was called right on time. I came here right on time. Listen, no matter where you're at in life today, you are right on time. You're right on time because God has authority over time. Please understand this. Every person you meet or every person you don't meet is fighting a hard battle, a hidden battle. It includes those who are poor and destitute. It includes those that are rich and famous. It includes those that are the middle class, those that are living paycheck to paycheck. It includes all, even those who have achieved their wildest dreams. They're fighting a hard. Hidden battle. And we need to give people time. We need to give people time. We're too impatient with others. Why does it seem like? We're more generous to ourselves than we are to others. We do need to give ourselves time. 
We need to give God time. We need to give others time. You know, if you give God time, he always gives it back better. If you give God time, he's always going to multiply it and send it back to you in better condition than how you gave it to him. Whatever you give to God, he'll always give back to you in better condition than how how he got it from you. You give him five loaves and two fish, he feeds multitudes. You give him a coin from a fish's mouth, he pays your taxes and his. Whatever you give him, you give him glory. He'll give you joy. Wow. Give him time because he'll give you back more. You can't fail when you give God time. You can't fail when you put God first. You say, I don't have enough time to put God first. You know what? If you don't put him first, you don't have a time for the rest of all the things that you have to do. But if you put him first, you'll have enough for everything. How does Jesus feel about those who are fighting hard, hidden battles? Well, according to Isaiah 42, verse three, this is how he feels in the New American Standard translation, a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. I love how the message clarifies this incredible passage of scripture, a bruised Read. He will not. He says he won't brush aside. Wow. He won't call attention with loud speeches and gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't disregard the small and the insignificant. But he'll steadily and firmly set things right. He'll steadily and firmly set things right. God brings steady stability. He won't tire out. He won't quit. And it says he won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right on this earth. Wow. You feel like you're brushed aside. He won't brush you aside. You feel bruised. He will not hurt you. You feel disregarded. He will not disregard. You feel small. He will not disregard the small. You feel insignificant. He will not disregard the insignificant, but he'll steadily and firmly set things right until he has finished all that he started. So what is God doing? right now when you don't see him, you know, it's easy to trust God when you see him do things that he said he would do. It's easy to trust God when you get your prayers answered right away. It's easy to trust God when you have everything you need. It's in those times in the in between. Where trusting God really means something. When you're in between the prayer 
and the manifestation of the answer. That is the time that matters and only that time. It doesn't matter that you don't have what you prayed for, and it doesn't matter that you will eventually have what you prayed for. What matters is what you believe in the middle. What matters is who you're trusting in the meantime. What are you doing in the meantime? If you're worrying, you're missing it. If you're fretting, you're missing it. The arrival of the thing is not where the joy comes. The joy comes before the arrival of the thing. The joy comes when you can believe when you don't have the arrival of the thing. The joy is only there. Most people think I don't have the joy because I don't have the thing yet. No, they, they're, they're wrong. They're, they're wrong that they don't have the joy. They're, they're right about the fact that they don't have the joy, but they're wrong about the reason. I don't have the joy yet because I don't have the thing yet. When you have the joy without the thing, now you're in the right place. When you have the joy without the thing, when you have faith without the manifestation, now you're passing tests. Now you got promotion coming. Now you've got miracles in motion. Now you're trusting God. Anybody can trust God when all their bills are paid. Anybody can give and be generous when they have disposable money. But when it's your last two coins, the widow, she didn't go, you know, one for you, one for me. She gave them all to Jesus. She gave everything she had. Jesus praised her not because of the amount, but because of the value that it represented to her. And that it represented value to her caused it to have value to him. If you just give away something that you don't care about, don't need like white elephant gift, that's how a lot of people give in the offering. They're given a white elephant offering. You're just giving something you don't really need. Here's five bucks. Here's 20 bucks doesn't mean anything to God if it doesn't mean something to you. It doesn't mean something to God because it's a high number. It means something to God because it means something to you. When it stops meaning something to you, it stops meaning something to God. When it means something to you, it means something to him. That's when it matters. We have to learn the secret of the gift of time. Time is a gift. If we treat it right, we will never run out. It's like money. If you treat it right, you'll never run out. It's like relationships. If you treat them right, you'll never run out. What do all those things have in common? When God is first in all those things, you'll never run out. When he is first in your money, you'll never run out. When he is first in your time, you'll never run out. When he is first in your relationships, you will never run out. In Ecclesiastes 3:11, part B of this verse in the New King James Bible, it says he makes everything beautiful in its time. 
He has made already. I should have read it correctly. He has made everything beautiful in its time. You know, Apple. The most successful company in the world underneath by far the kingdom of God, which is the greatest and best company in the world. When you're keeping company with the kingdom, you're truly number one. But, you know, Apple already has the next phone or computer that they're going to release in 2025, 2026. They've made it all very beautiful in its time. It's already made, but they only release it at the right time. God's already made everything beautiful, but it doesn't all get released until it's the right time. If it's not beautiful yet, it hasn't been released yet. Don't worry. He's already made it. He's not spinning it up out of nowhere. He's already made it beautiful. He already made it beautiful. How much of has he already made beautiful? Everything. If your pain is not yet beautiful to you, it will be. Because it's already made beautiful by God. You just don't have God's perspective on it yet. But you will. So praise him in the meantime. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your money. Be generous with your relationships because they've already been made beautiful. But it just isn't yet time for God to release them. He knows the time. You know, the Bible even says no one knows the day nor the hour. Something Jesus said. That I still haven't figured out yet, I accept it because he said it, but I can't understand it. And how many know there's a lot of things we don't yet understand. But God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. Jesus said only the father. He said, I I can't even tell you. Only the father knows the day or the hour when the son of man will return. Only the father. What? You don't know. I wonder if Jesus is saying that because he's leading us by example to trust God anyway. Only my father, the angels don't know. My father only. No one knows. Except the father. No one knows when this thing in your life that's ugly. No one might know when it turns beautiful. When will it turn beautiful? The father knows because he already made it beautiful. 
Give God time. Give yourself time. Give others time. You know, if we would just be patient with other people, we'd stop judging. You know, there's a great verse that I I love in first Corinthians, chapter four, verse five. I I love all the versions of this verse, but I read to you from the I think the NIV version, it says, judge nothing before the time, judge nothing before the appointed time. This translation says judge nothing before the appointed. There is an appointed time. When's my breakthrough? God knows. Well, is there anything I can do to speed it up? Do what you know to do. Whatever you know to do, do it and leave the appointed time to God. Judge nothing before the time. Paul goes on to say in the earlier verse, verse four, he says, my conscience is clear. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. He's not saying he's guilty. He's saying just because his conscience is clear does not determine his innocence. God determines his innocence. And it is the Lord who has already judged me. He says it's the Lord who judges me. But when we interpret that word judge for what the, the definition of it in its application, this word judge is the actual word that is translated as to complete a process to bring about his intended conclusion to complete a process or to bring about his intended conclusion. So when he says in verse five, judge nothing before the time, he says he's literally saying it is not for you to say now because God's judgment judge nothing before the appointed time, the word judgment to bring about his intended conclusion. Judge nothing before the time then means don't take delivery of what it looks like. Because it's not yet God's intended conclusion. It says Abraham didn't judge his own body now as good as dead. Listen, it says he did not even judge his own body now as good as dead. He knew his body was as good as dead. He's ninety nine years old, hasn't had a kid yet. He's ninety nine years old. Sarah's ninety. They haven't had a child yet that God promised they would have. What does that mean? Abraham, it says he did not consider his own body. He did not judge himself based on his age. He said God has not brought about his intended conclusion yet. I'm ninety nine and I'm not judging. I'm not judging, but I'm ninety nine. Yeah, I'm not judging Sarah, but she's ninety. But God 
did not come to conclusion yet what he intended. Boy, if we could get a hold of this. The thing that you are afraid of, the thing that you are guilty about, God has not brought about his intended conclusion yet. The thing that's unfinished, God has not brought about his intended conclusion yet. Judge nothing before the time. God has not brought about his intended conclusion yet. He will in its time, but he has not brought about his intended conclusion yet. God's intended conclusion is not where Caesar's at now with crutches. That's not God's intended conclusion with a cast. That's not God's intended conclusion. So what should he do in the meantime? Praise God anyway. Every one of us has some crutch that we're leaning on right now in our lives because we're some area of our life is not at its intended conclusion. So what should we do in the meantime? Give God time. What should we do in the meantime? Praise him. Anyway. What did Abraham do in the meantime? He said. In Romans four. Nineteen. Well, let's look at this for a minute. Romans chapter four, verse 19, such an amazing verse passage. <clears throat> he says. For the promise to Abraham in verse 13 and to his seed, that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all Abraham's seed, which is you and me, our Abraham's seed, because we belong to Jesus Christ. And not only the adherents of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of me, God, in whom he believed. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into being those things that do not yet exist in hope against hope. He believed so that he might become a father of many nations, according to the promise that God had spoken. So shall your descendants be. Now watch this. Without becoming weak in faith. He contemplated his own body. He contemplated it, but he didn't judge it. He contemplated his own body as good as dead. How good is your body? It's as good as dead since he was 100 years old and Sarah's womb since she was and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Listen, he says, Yet we're yet with respect to the promise of God, we got to stop respecting how it looks right now. And we have to have respect to the promise of God with respect to the promise of God. Stop respecting your promises as much as God's promises and stop 
making promises to God that you can't keep and start respecting the promise of God, not the promise to God, but the promise from God, the promise of God, the promise that he said that you're going to have a child. He said to Abraham and Sarah, he said that you he will supply all your needs. He said you can do all things through Christ. He said you're more than a conqueror. He said you're the head and not the tail. He said you're blessed with Abraham. He said you're above and not beneath. He said you're blessed coming in and going out. He said all these things. We we got to stop respecting how it looks and start respecting what God promised. And he tells us how to do this. It says he respected the promise of God. He contemplated his own body, but he didn't respect his own body. As the judge of the intended conclusion, he respected the promise of God. And because he respected the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. The reason we waver in unbelief is because we're respecting our own timelines. We're expecting our own deadlines. And when those deadlines are not met, we think God let us down. You don't think God can fix it tomorrow. You don't think God can make up for it if it lasts, if it's 10 years from now, if it's 100 years from now, what does it matter? Abraham was 100 years old. The thing that we have, our responsibility is to add the yet. Man, I've had the worst year of my life yet with respect to the promise of God. Man, the doctor said I got three hours to live. Yet respect. Yet with respect to the promise of God, all we have to do to anything we're facing in life right now is add the yet with respect to the promise of God, yet with respect to the promise of God, contemplating that my year was. Was. Only bad words are coming to my to my mind, so I'm just not going to not going to say it right now, (laughs) trying to pull a good one up, couldn't find one in there. Well, my company, my business partner failed me or my husband or my wife failed me or my parents let me down or the boss at my job or the investors that said they would invest in my idea. They they lied. They took my money. Now I'm broke. Okay, all that's all that's okay. It's not the first time God's dealt with that. And it won't be the last. It's not the first time God's heard that. And it won't be the last. Okay, all that being true, yet with respect to the promise of God, contemplate all the things that happened this year but yet with respect to the promise of God, contemplate them, but don't respect them. Don't accept them as the one who determines the intended conclusion. God is the one who brings about the intended, the intended conclusion. That's why we need to judge nothing before the time with respect to the promise of God. He did not waver in unbelief. You're going to waver in unbelief until you start respecting the promise of God. 
When you start respecting God's promises, you will stop wavering. How do we respect God's promises by contemplating how bad the situation is? Yet with respect to the promise of God, we give him glory anyway. He did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. How is it that he did not waver in unbelief? And how is it that he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God by giving glory to God? after he contemplated his own body now as good as dead. This is how he respected the promise of God. How do we respect the promise of God? We respect the promise of God by giving glory to God when we don't have the situation worked out to its intended conclusion yet. That is how we respect the promise of God. We respect the promise of God by giving glory to God, no matter how it looks. We give him glory when we're on top of the mountain because he got us there. We give him glory when we're in the bottom of the valley because he's with us there. We're giving him glory no matter what. Because the way we respect the promise of God is by giving God glory. If you're not giving God glory, it shows your disrespect for his promise. If you're not praising him anyway, it shows your disrespect for the promise. You're you're respecting the hundred year old body rather than contemplating it. This is the balance. This is the beautiful tension. I can contemplate my body now as good as dead at 100 years old, yet I respect the promise of God. In other words, both things can be true. Yes, I'm 100 years old. Yes, Sarah is 90. Yes, there's not a chance in this world that she's going to have a baby. But God promised. Yet with respect. That's how we do it. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. We got to stop hearing the promise and then trying to perform for the promise. No, God makes the promise and God performs the promise. Amen. Now, I'm going to pray for you. Let's just pray this together. Heavenly Father, I consider the things that are against me, but I respect your promises that are for me. Your promises in Christ are yes. And I'm in Christ. Therefore, your promises are yes. And I respect your promises. I can contemplate my situation, but I respect the promise of God. I can contemplate what it looks like, but I respect the promise of God. I can contemplate what others have said, but I respect the promise of God. And I give you all the glory. And I trust you in the in between. And I praise you in between. And I give you time. I give myself time and I give others time. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a moment. Before we dismiss today, take a moment. Our leadership team has asked me to just invite everybody for one last opportunity to give in the year 2023 for tax deduction purposes, giving before midnight today has a lot more benefits than we sometimes realize. Of course, it'll we can't control the harvests of next year. Except but to plant the seeds this year. The thing that determines what next year can bring is what seeds we plant this year. Now, I'm going to dismiss in just a moment, and I know some people have pending schedules that they have to get up for. But if you don't have like a real emergency reason to get up and go, please. Please stay and let's finish this year out. Well, I'd like to say we have a matching gift of one hundred thousand dollars and everybody can match that. But I can't say that today. I said I'd like to say it. All I can do is and we have had that in years past, but all I can say is. Let's go out. With generosity. We're stepping into a new year where we're putting God first, but you know what? We can't wait till tomorrow to put God first when we have an opportunity today to put him first. I'm not asking for anybody to do something that you have to be coerced or twist your arm for. But I'm asking. All of my members, my fellow members of this church, let's make a year end gift. I'm asking my friends who I who I ask at times privately, can you match my gift? I'm going to give. Even though I don't announce it. Sometimes I ask some of my friends to. Like put pull together, let's pull together the best gift we can give and invite and challenge the rest of our members to to match that. We've done that many times, so I just ask of everyone today, do your best, plant your best seed, do what you can do. If you're you know, if you have a hundred dollar a week budget. For giving or a hundred, a hundred dollars a month for giving, like add something to it and just plant the best seed you can plant. If you're doing really great, plant the best seed you can do. If it matters to you, it matters to God. I like to just walk in that spirit with each other. That's why God's never increasing the tithe. You know, I got a note that Jim said we're increasing our membership dues. I thought God hasn't increased the membership dues from the when Abraham gave the tithe in Genesis 14. He's not like, okay, now it's 11 percent. He's not like, oh, now it's, you know, really having a hard time in heaven. Now it's 20 percent. The government takes 30, 25, 20 for some of you, 30, 40 from others of you, 40 percent. And they still can't run the country right. But when you give God 10 percent, he never says that's not going to do it. 
But why do we take special offerings? Because not everybody's doing it God's way. If you're doing it God's way, there'll never be a need. I wish if everybody could start tithing next year, it's not because we're under the law. It's because it's a reasonable thing for God to ask that we put him first with our money. It's a reasonable thing to give him the first tenth because there are universal laws, not judgments and legalism, but there are universal truths that exist for Christian and non-Christian. You plant good seeds and you water those seeds, you're going to have a good farm. You're going to have a good garden, whether you're a Christian or not. If you give God the first of your portion, you're going to have a blessed life financially. I don't know anybody who tithes and doesn't have a great situation or a better situation than when they didn't. I don't know anybody. I think I've had tw- two times people have asked for their money back <laughs> in our church. <laughs> I'm wasting your time now. Come on, team, give people this. Want me to finish that story? Come back next year. I'll finish that story. I'll finish that story. I'll tell you their names. No, I'm just kidding. I won't. <laughs> Come on. If anybody needs an envelope, our team will give you one. Let's pray over this last last of 2023. Let's go out big with a, with generous seed to expect a huge harvest to meet us next year. In the name of Jesus, Lord, bless every giver, bless every tither, bless everyone who's given above and beyond. Everybody who's offering special seeds above their normal giving. God, I pray that they would see pleasant surprises showing up in their life that can that whose fingerprints can only be traced to you, Father, in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, give him glory today. (laughs) Give him glory, give him glory, because glory is. Makes. Ways down, weighs you down, weigh God down with your goodness towards him, because he's weighing you down with his goodness towards you. I got so many things I want to share with you about the glory of God, because 2024 is going to be a year of God's glory. 2024 is going to be a year of God's glory. 2024 is going to be your year of glorious breakthroughs. 2024 is going to be your year of glorious manifestations, glorious arrivals of God's promises, arrivals of God's power, arrivals of God's existence in your situation that seems barren. God is going to arrive. His power is going to show up in your situation. Your water is going to turn to wine in 2024. I can't wait to see you then. Come on, let's stand together. I love you guys. Thanks for being here. These 90 precious minutes of our time together. I'll see on Think Like a Champion and see you right back here next Sunday where you will be undefeated in your Sunday's attendance for 2024 when you show up next Sunday. I love you guys. If you need prayer for anything else, come up to one of our team members and we are here to pray with you and pray for you and release healing in your body in Jesus name. Take your healing and take your breakthrough with you and bring it back next week. God bless.